1: on Commons People this week. This is a programme of hope. The Tory campaign, by contrast, is built on one word, fear.
2: Labour launches its manifesto. That decision alone is a time bomb under our economy. The Lib Dems launch their manifesto.
3: There is no
2: Mayism. The Conservatives launch their manifesto. All of this and more on Commons People. Hello and welcome to Commons People with me, Owen Bennett, Ned Simons and Paul War. No Kate this week, she has got tonsillitis and I know she's not lying because she sent me a picture of her <laughs> Uh which I'll be, I'll be uploading to the website later on if you wanted to see some pus filled ton- I
1: thought it was a bit weird that you made it your Twitter picture yeah. though, that was yeah. odd.
2: Uh, so get well soon Kate uh, and thanks for the picture. Lovely. Get well soon, tonsils. Yeah, get well soon, tonsils. Anyway, right, let's crack on. Labour have launched... Manifestos are plenty this week, people. Let's start with uh, the Labour Party's manifesto, which was launched on Tuesday, he says, forgetting the day. Um, And it was full of loads of really radical stuff. That's Corbyn's words, not mine. for us to have a go. And let's have a little listen to Corbyn introducing uh, the manifesto.
3: This uh, manifesto is a draft for a better future for our country. It's a blueprint of what Britain could be and a pledge of the difference a Labour
1: government can and will make.
2: But within hours there was a degree of confusion about what Labour's plans for government would be and this all was around the benefit freeze which came in uh, in April 2016. It was a Tory policy. It didn't say anywhere in the manifesto if Labour would lift the benefit freeze Jeremy Corbyn was asked about it and he said they would lift the Bennett freeze. And then he wrote back as there's no commitment on it. And then a spokesman went out saying no, they would lift it. And then Emily Thornbury uh, was left to try and explain what was going on. And here she is on Channel 4 News. What's in the,
3: com- what's in the manifesto is in the manifesto. And, and what the leader says is something entirely different. Not entirely different. Not entirely Just a little different. Bit to different. be fair, a little bit different. And I'm trying to clarify it. Right.
2: OK, well, that's clear. Um- Paul, you were at, you were, is it Bradford? Yes, indeed. Bradford. Unforgettably Bradford. Um, Let's have a little talk first about the Labour Party manifesto. Uh, It seemed to be the energy was quite high in the hall. It seemed to be there was a lot of energy and it seemed to be quite a positive thing. Yeah. It didn't feel like a a cold sort of thing like the Tories do.
3: No, no no question. I mean, don't forget, Jeremy Corbyn is now practised. This is a third year running. He's been running... a a, a sort of summer campaign, effectively. And he's quite used to it. He's got better at it, there's no question. His public speaking is much better. And more importantly, the sort of crowds have built. And, you know, this for him was the sort of peak moment where he's finally not just running a leadership campaign, he's launching a, a Labour manifesto that's the most sort of radical since the 80s. And so he was in his element. But more importantly, people in the hall kept going up to him and going up to Labour MPs and saying you know, I've waited all my life for this. You know, this is what I've been waiting for. Finally, someone in Labour saying what I believe in. And the very first question was from some guy who actually said exactly that. So it wasn't just Corbyn for once. It was the people around that, that, that were generating this mood. And like you said, the manifesto itself, we'll talk about some of the policies now. I mean, if if you were
2: going to write a Jeremy Corbyn manifesto, this is what a Jeremy Corbyn manifesto would look like, right? I mean, maybe with a little bit on Trident, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if it was a there. Jeremy
3: Corbyn manifesto, it would be have unilateral nuclear disarmament. Yeah, but, but yeah. yeah okay, <laughs> and, it, fair you problem. know, and there's lots of other things.
2: Um, but this, but he's pretty gone for it, right? Renationalisation of railways of uh, the water industry, public sector, energy company yeah. stuff we kind of knew about anyway, but there was other stuff like the, the payroll tax. Um, so this is, I mean, this as I said before, Andy Burnham said this is Jeremy Corbyn's moment, and it feels like he and his acolytes have seized this.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a bit weird, that, particularly with the water renationalisation, that there wasn't kind of a clear explanation about how they were going to do that. I think if you're, as you say, this is kind of Corbyn's big moment, it, feels, it felt a little bit odd that that policy, for example wasn't as thought through in terms of how they presented it in the media you thought they'd be ready for it yeah they had a long time and i weirdly i thought the manifesto launch didn't go as well for them as the leak of the manifesto the week before i think the leak of the manifesto actually in the end ended up going very well for them because it was oh, look at all these policies we've got and everyone loves them yeah, it, it was odd that i thought that the actual official launch didn't seem to work as well
3: well it gets to the heart really of you know what what you think of the Corbin policy team. Now, there's a guy called Andrew Fisher who uh, very r- uh, unusually was at a briefing yesterday to sort of talk to us all. He was in the hall. He's the author of the manifesto. Um, and, and it comes down to two views of the Corbyn policy formation. Now, one view of the cynics and the sceptics is actually the reason it didn't really add up properly and the reason it was unformed yesterday is because actually the left really don't have a clue about government and that actually when it comes to solutions, they don't, they don't really have many. They don't put in all the heavy lifting intellectually onto what the solutions are. Their, their, their main thing is opposition. Their main thing is dis, is is analysing the problem and not coming up with a solution. That's one view. The other view, more charitably, I think, and it does apply in some instances yesterday, uh, is that actually they were caught totally on the hop by the snap election. And if you think about it, they've spent really the last part of most of the two years of nearly two years of corbyn's leadership not on policy now a lot of people in the plp would say well that's your fault and so you have a big responsibility for that why don't you get going people around corbyn say actually we've been fighting this internal battle we couldn't really focus on policy and things are complicated brexit is really complicated to get a fully formed policy on you know we haven't got the civil service the universal credit where corbyn tripped up yesterday is so complex if Labour is going to overnight have a ready-made solution to the reform of universal credit, that would be amazing.
2: But, they, but Labour have had this economic forum that they
3: created yep. with Yanis uh, Farah
2: and Paul Mason. That's all true. This, what have they been doing?
3: That's Sitting completely a rail, true. Just, well, a, yeah. lot lot just have, a lot of them have left, though. The, that, the, that, <laughs> that's true. But that's why on some of the policies, like, uh, you know, some of the policies they that they propose, for example, the the fat cat tax, the excess pay tax, they, they had seemed to have worked a bit harder on that than on things like universal credit. So... As I say, you can take either view. You can take the view that actually they've never really been good on policy and they've had two years already and why haven't they come up with it? Or you could say, actually, Theresa May pulled a, a masterstroke in calling a snap election because normally oppositions, it takes them five years to do a policy-making process. these are policies that, I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate here, yeah.
2: listener, but these are policies that Corbyn and McDonnell... Have been banging on about four years. You think they would
3: have had some document? How much have they? But they haven't been talking about policy for years. That's the point. You see, Owen. That what they've often done is spent years opposing what the government have done, and that whole idea of drafting a fully formed, workable, Mm. costed policy is different it's
1: tough it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard <laughs> and government's hard and we should also say as well though it's not sort of uh, an, it's not new that you paul you mentioned about the idea that you know they can be criticized for identifying the problem but not having the solution now the exact same criticism was you know made of ed miliband that he whilst he identified the problem with the economic system as people saw it he didn't have this overarching uh, solution to it so the idea that the manifesto is not you know absolutely perfect that's not In itself, new. That's always always been the case. But Labour,
2: Labour sold this, and they produced a separate document. You know, this is a fully costed manifesto, and it is a fully costed manifesto until you start looking at the cost of things, right? So, for example, (laughs) renationalisation of railways. That's going to be the government is going to have to stump up some money for that in the beginning. Even if you take over a franchise and it expires, you know, wages, pensions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Renationalising the electricity board, Royal Mail was being sold. People, this is not on a franchise. You've got to buy those shares back. That wasn't in there. Now they claim this is under part of their capital spending yeah. two hundred and fifty billion thing. Fine, say it then. Just say it. And then people, journalists, wouldn't be able to look at yeah. that and say, Why why are they making it why do they make it so easy for people who want to criticize and to criticize? Them? I
3: think the real problem there is that having spent so much time, John MacDonald in particular, saying this will be fully costed, wait and see for the manifesto, you see all our workings, and then to fail your own test and yeah. not give everything. Um, is is actually the real problem. And you can argue, or they could have argued, look, of course there are some grey areas. For example, I think Jonathan Porters has been the former government economist who actually worked on the, the, the privatisation of the water industry has made quite clear that the, the huge billions of liability that it would, it would involve to buy back the water industry doesn't appear on the balance sheet as many people would think. It's not a straight sort of hit on the taxpayer. So it's complicated. But notwithstanding that, you know, you would have thought they would have an instant answer to those questions yesterday, and they didn't.
2: Someone who did struggle for answers to questions was uh, Richard Bergen, and here he is on Newsnight
1: yesterday. I understand, I understand uh, your technique, but it seems to me that we are being put on trial uh, for daring to suggest higher public spending, put on trial for daring to set out with greater transparency than any other party has put forward before about how much we're going to spend and how we're going to spend it? You, I presume, have read the document and it's all in there. Yeah. We've got a choice for this interview. But we can either do the rather tedious thing of going through each number that's hang in on, this hang document, on. It's about or we can talk isn't about, it? Hang on. Or, or we can talk about the bigger picture. We-
2: Richard Bergen there saying about being put on trial, and there seems to be this this theme that's emerging. I don't know. Maybe it's just in my <laughs> Twitter that the media have been really harsh on Labour. and They're not going to be as harsh on the Tories. And I mean, is that just the Corbynites whinging, or is there
1: something in that? I think sometimes you could say you know, the media is harsh, but I think often it's a deliberate strategy by. We saw journalists getting booed yesterday. Yeah, it's a deli- often it's a deliberate strategy by some of the shadow cabinet to go after the reporters because they know that plays extremely well with their base and it fires them up and it's kind of this loop. You do that because it, it works and it it gets people on side. If you attack the the media and the BBC, it's deliberate. One of the
2: questions that was put to Jeremy Corbyn yesterday was from Jack Blanchard from the Mirror, who got booed, and he uh, said that when the draft manifesto was leaked last week, a lot of they focused, they, sorry, they opinion polled a lot of the policies, and they were all really popular, right? Because people like renationalising things, and people like tuition fees being cancelled, and all that. Um, but Jeremy Corbyn himself wasn't popular. Now we managed to find in a focus group <laughs> that we did last week in Euston a group of students who were not particularly keen on Labour's plan to axe tuition fees. And here is a clip with those students now.
0: I kind of feel like it's a very easy thing to say in the run-up to the election, but they haven't really mm-hmm. given... It's a good soundbite, but there aren't really any costings on it. And also, I don't necessarily think that tuition fees are the issue. It's the fact that they are so high and the fact that the interest is so high. Uh,
2: but, Paul, you... Um, well, let's talk about that firstly. So, based on our, our focus group, which we know isn't an opinion, poll, but well, there was people there who were saying, you know, do you know what? We probably should pay because it gives us an advantage in life. It's too much at the moment. Let's bring up Mason's grants. But actually, the student loan thing, should that be a priority?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, the, there's certainly a strand of opinion within the Labour Party, uh, which is sort of heretical at the moment, which is, look, yeah, it's a big waste of resources spending this amount of money on, on tuition fee abolition. It's the most
2: amount of money they've set aside, isn't it? it? It's $11.2 2
3: billion. It's enormous. If you look on that balance sheet that they produced yesterday, it's the biggest single-ticket item. And you have to say, if you're really serious about government, is that the priority of any government? Student finance, really? Uh, and it's it's double the amount that's being spent on childcare, which could make a massive difference to working-class mums and working-class kids. Uh, now, Angela Rayner, who's, as, as you've interviewed, that's her big priority. The very definition of a working-class yeah, uh, mum. And, you know, if you were talking about transformational government and changing people's lives, then you would have thought, actually, those figures should be the other way around. You should have 11 billion on childcare and maybe 5 billion on something to help students, if that. And one of those ways of doing it, a lot of students are suggesting, actually, they'd rather the interest rate was lowered or that you know turn it into a proper graduate tax and it's an interesting division someone tells me in labor that actually never forget corbynistas a lot of them uh, tend to be that either they they they're older and their their kids are on student loans and they don't like it even if their kids don't mind it so much or the people uh with kids who are about to go to university or their kids themselves about to go to university and they're the ones that are worried about it but the people who are actually gone through the system it seems um are by and large a bit sort of you know they're not relaxed about student loans but they kind of take it on the chin as a graduate tax the
2: 18 year old kid who's leaving school because he wants to be a plumber and he just doesn't want to go to university right Or, or she wants to be
3: an engineer or whatever. Doesn't want to go to university, wants to
2: be an apprentice. I mean, they're going to, I mean, how does this
3: this sell this to them, right? Well, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I interviewed uh, uh, somebody at the launch, though. I mean, don't forget there are young people who were there yesterday, some of them under 18, who actually think this is really, really good policy. Because their big thing is that, you know, although on paper, it makes some sense to have a, a graduate tax or student loan system because financially you, you pay it back over the long term and you know, and there's some evidence that actually there's been no um, reduction in poorer kids going to university. Um, but there is this stigma of debt amongst working class families and why would I want to take on that enormous debt? And it's that stigma thing which actually this labour policy is trying to address. So I talked to Hassan, who's 17, and he told me why he was backing Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, i'm from bradford i'm a
2: big fan of the labor party because they're doing everything for the future youth uh such as myself they're making uh, lowering of the voting age from 18 to 16 which is good so that other people youngsters who are mature can vote and also national education service we're getting a uni's
0: uh uni tuition uh uni tuition fees paid off so that's a good thing because like some people can't afford the 27 grand and i feel that's unfair because most people see that only white middle-class people can only
2: go to university, yet yeah, uh, more uh, working-class people can go to university, but
0: they're not giving us the opportunity, and I feel like Jeremy Corbyn is going to give us the opportunity, so vote Labour.
2: There we are. So, all in all, let's have a little, a little rating of this. Do we think that this was... I mean, Ned, I think you touched on it, that... Last week, the leaks manifesto was good for Labour. I thought the the headlines on the day of the manifesto itself of the media team of Labour did a really good job because a lot of papers were splashing different things. Mm-hmm. So the Guardian had the payroll tax. Yeah, I think someone the else Mirror had, had childcare. BBC had water. Yeah. So actually, I thought this is a good this is a good hit here. I mean, it's, even the Telegraph had something, but they span it as slightly more of a negative thing about, yep. about tax rates. So I thought actually the day of the launch, I thought you're looking at that quite well, but kind of all fell apart didn't it, in the end. So. I'm not
3: sure it fell apart, you know, because think, think about it in TV terms. You know, on the TV at night, prime time news. I mean, ov- ov- obviously there was this my, minor quibble about um, the benefits, you know, to and fro, whether or not he did mean it. But overall, the message given to the voters was this is a tax and spend Labour Party manifesto. They will tax the rich more. They'll pump a lot more money into the NHS and, and other things. That's the message that most people have, t- until now, not had from the Labour Party for a very, very long time. You don't
2: think it matters that a lot, you don't think it matters that a lot of the stuff that um, we thought would be costed, wasn't, it was co- you don't think that matters I'm to not sure that's a, a big, big deal
3: in, in, in the way it was appeared on the news last night. It may become a thing if the Tories land punches on that, and if, you know, it, it looks like the sums don't add up. Pe- voters hate that, of course, sums not adding up. So we'll see. Ned?
1: Yeah, I think I broadly agree. I think it does matter if they haven't costed it in actual terms. But in kind of media presentation terms, again, like you said, Aaron, I think the way they passed out the stories, to different papers overnight work very well. I think the headlines for what this Labour Party wants to be doing work quite well. Uh, so I, yeah, I think, whilst, like I said, it wasn't as good as the leak, bizarrely. I don't think it was. Like terrible. I think it was. It went. I think it went quite that's
2: well. Setting the agenda a bit slightly now. Do we think?
3: Well, that's. Uh, you know what? The people who will be most worried are people like Chuka Amuna and Yvette Cooper, because they'll be thinking, "Crikey, has Corbyn really let the genie out of the bottle here?" Which is that there could be a populist version of tax and spend, which neither of them have had in their bloodstream. Particularly about Cooper, you know, who grew up, at, at, you know, the table of Gordon Brown, where it was heretical to even talk about this kind of stuff because they were all so burned never by used 1992. Never use the word redistribution anywhere. No, never no, no, talk no. about tax rises. Never talk about massive spending increases. Uh, they were all burned by 1992, in the Tory tax bombshell, uh, which you know crippled John Smith's um, a, a shadow budget even before he was leader of the Labour party for that short period. So let's see. Uh, another
2: party launched the manifesto this week was the Liberal Democrats, and guess what? They are proposing. Now listen to this carefully. Another referendum on the EU. Shocking,
1: Excuse surprise policy. While <laughs> I dropped my marmalade. <laughs> says. Um,
2: but the opinion polls aren't doing very well for Dems, are they? And there no. does seem to be a sense that. I mean, a lot of people thought going into this that the Lib Dems running on an anti-Brexit ticket might not pick up, you know, 48% of the vote. But, the, you know, maybe half of that would, f- you know, th- there was a sense of, yeah. you know, they could go from 9% to maybe 20%, right? Or 15%, but it's just not happening. It doesn't it? seem
1: to be happening. we have to obviously wait for the result, as always. But I think their strategy of making this explicitly about Brexit, and Tim Ferrara has, and that was a decision, I, it seems to not be working. I think you've got, there was a YouGov poll that showed even kind of roughly half of Remainers now just kind of think, you know, you can't undo the results. So that takes that 48% down to, you know, like in 22% or whatever it is. Also, that would be necessary in the places that they need to win. I mean, I was on the bus with Tim Ferrara. How was the he? He's, well, he's always very ch- chipper, isn't he? That's, he's quite a good local campaigner. Yeah. He's very good with people. All yeah. these things of him getting approached by people shouting at him, it, it kind of works. He's quite good at dealing with it. But I didn't really get the sense that the overall strategy is, is happening. And I think whilst after local election results... Even though they didn't do that well, they were still quite confident, predicting they can more than double their seats. I'm not sure if they'd say that now. I don't know if they're going to pick up those seats in the southwest they're expecting. Talking to Vince Cable, um, you know, he was saying that Brexit isn't the big deal on the doorstep. It's, it's education. It's healthcare, And whilst Brexit at the start of the campaign, well, that's what everyone brought up. That's kind of going away. And I think they're also concerned. I mean, if you look at Tom Brake in South London as well, who's one of the few Lib Dem MPs that still exists, that's not in the bag either. So I don't think this campaign is going how they would like. It's still a long way to go, we'll see. But Is that why they've shifted now
2: and they're talking about putting a, a penny on tax to fund social mm. care and education? Because th- they're trying to move it away, going, to okay, go well, we're not just about Brexit. Yeah. Don't, they don't want to be like the, the next UKIP and only talk about yeah. the EU, right? And to
1: be fair to them, they have been pumping out a lot of policies and a lot of areas on healthcare, on education. Their entire manifesto launch is about kind of a brighter future for, you know, for young people, for children um, with education policies and uh, a policy about renting, rent to buy for young people. So they are they do have these other policies but you can't deny I think everything they they focused on Brexit. That's th- what they're going th- for.
3: The big problem with this Lib Dem downward turn in the polls is that it you have to suspend disbelief even more than you do with Jeremy Corbyn, to imagine <laughs> yeah. to, to imagine Tim Farron <laughs> in government, yeah. and you know if you even just go through that little thought experiment, well, yeah, I'm listening. I'm hearing their manifesto, but yeah, are they really going to be in power? And you know well, they're, they're not even saying they're They're saying actually that, are <laughs> that they they're border? never going to coalition with yeah. Corbyn. So. It's all kind of why? really why academic. Push? I mean, I don't even know why they've got a manifesto. They should, actually, <laughs> they should right. publish, in my opinion, not a manifesto, but a, a series of amendments to government bills. Because <laughs> oh, that that's yeah. basically what they'll be yeah. reduced to.
1: And they do know that. And I guess that's why the Brexit yeah. thing was, you know, vote for us as a protest vote against Brexit or your Remainers. The problem is that a lot of Remainers now don't even care anymore. Um, so they're, they're in a bit of trouble, I think.
2: Before we do a little bit of uh, time travel, with me, listener. Quiz, quiz. Make it, yeah, we're gonna do the quiz pool, oh, I was hoping that wasn't. One. There is. So, what is Labour's manifesto called this year, Ned? Oh Christ. For the many, not the few. Yes, right. I that. Okay. Definitely read it. I'm <laughs> going it. to give you some names of manifestos God. and you need to tell me which party produced them. Was it Lai Le- was it LiblabCon? Okay. Okay. The LiblabCon manifesto. So here we go, here we go. Here Will We you go. start
1: a quiz with a sigh. Here we go. I know it's not going to Firm
2: go. action for a fair Britain.
3: Ooh. No, which period? Are we guessing when it was and which party? These are all post-war. Firm action for a fairer Britain. And we're guessing which party? For f- yeah, firm action for a fairer Britain. That could be any um, Which
2: party? And if you can uh, tell me the year, you get a bonus kiss.
3: Oh. I'm, oh I'm, <laughs> that's <laughs> a deterrent. God. Uh, that's a uh, deterrent. I'm going to say Tories. Yes. Is, in maybe, I don't know, 1955. Oh. <laughs> Ned, he's right okay, would rather
1: Tories. Tories in, oh God, I don't know, in the 60s then. Which, no, I it was know. February
2: 1974. Oh. Firm oh. action for a go. fair go. Britain. Okay. Go. Okay. Uh, what a life. <laughs> what? Are <laughs> you kidding? <laughs> what a life, exclamation mark. Wow. Are you serious?
3: That's great. Are you serious? That's got to be... Um, I want it to be. That's got to be sixties, and I wonder who that was.
1: Um, can I say it's, Can I say Libs? Yeah, uh, yeah, and th- yeah. I reckon sixty because it's like sort of some forward-looking, yeah. fun hippie. Nineteen
3: sixties Libs.
1: Go on, I'll go for that. It was Libs, nineteen seventy.
2: So oh, not,
1: what, not, a what a life! Not bad, not bad. Because awesome. you can say that in a happy way or a really sad way. Yeah, like, yeah. what a life. Now it's get a life. Uh, people count. That's nice. I'll say, I'll say Labour. I haven't said Labour yet.
3: People Labour count. People count. Oh, God. Um,
1: Labour in, like, the late 70s again.
3: I'd say Labour 66. No, that was the Liberals again oh. 1959. I mean, all the I Liberal ones are brilliant, right? Let me just
2: read some more Liberal ones to you. Crisis unresolved, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think what? I've seen that film on, like, uh, changing Britain for good, um, freedom, justice, honesty. That was 2001. Wow. What was that? Wow. Uh fine was the real alternative. Uh right, let's do yeah, right, let's ask a question now. Sorry, is <laughs> is this is this, Tory, is this Tory or Labour? Uh the next five years.
3: That was it. The next five the years. The next
2: five years. Um Tory. Mm, I reckon.
3: Yeah, Tory, maybe in nineteen fifty-one. Oh,
2: 1959. oh Oh, oh, okay. Um uh what other ones have we got here? Uh Uh, uh, Britain belongs to you.
1: Um, (laughs) Sounds
2: like
3: cabaret. Um, Britain belongs to you? Yeah. Is that...? that, that... I'll say Labour, Uh, but it could be... I'm going to say that's a Tory thing. I would go for Tories in uh, in 1983.
2: Ned? He's wrong on both those counts.
1: Labour... (laughs) I <laughs> don't... 79.
2: 1959. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there we are. So there we are. So that, I thought it was quite good. that was quite didn't... an education. Do you, remember well, what, you. Do you remember what the 97 one was for Labour? Can't remember. Famously. Future uh, Fair for All. New <laughs> Labour because <laughs> Britain deserves better. It was Future Fair. Was that, that was Brown, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah, that was Brown, 2010. Yeah, future uh, that's yeah. some good ones. Michael Foote's 1983 one. Do you remember know what that was called? Well, I know the document before it was called A New Hope for Britain but no that the was actual... that was 83 the New Hope for Britain so, did was they 83. call it that as well yeah okay. uh, James Callaghan was the labour way is the better way um, uh, my favourite <laughs> one is this one from Harold Wilson 1970 now Britain's strong let's make it great to live in he lost so, <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds quite a good quiz anyway right we are recording this on Wednesday because I'm not here on Thursday so now I am going to throw forward so let me say hello to future Ned
1: this is Commons People. Thanks, Past Owen. I'm Future Ned. So, Future Ned has heard the Tory manifesto launch. Uh, here's Theresa May.
3: There is no Mayism. I know you journalists like to write about it. There is good, solid conservatism which puts the interests of the country and the interests of ordinary working people at the heart of everything we do in government.
1: And here's a reaction from a local Tory activist that we met up there.
3: What is it you like best about Theresa May? Well, I think her frankness, really. I think she would be able to relate to people, you know women of my age and also young housewives, and I think that's why we're having a fantastic response on the doorstep, it really. The people, you know, she's very very straight-talking and um, she's getting her message on through in a very ordinary way, so she's appealing to the ordinary voters.
1: So, um, Paul, you were in Halifax for the launch.
3: What did you make of it? Well, it was a curiously dull affair uh, because the Prime Minister... Obviously, she's not the world's greatest public speaker. I mean, she but at the same time, her prospectus was dull. It was it was as if it was almost like painting by numbers. It was just you had to have this manifesto. You had to fill it with words. (laughs) Yeah, you you had to you didn't fill it with numbers. It was painted by numbers numbers without any numbers. Uh, and it was almost as if everything was taken for granted. There, There wasn't any sense that, really, this is a manifesto. We're up against a really, really tough opposition. We really need to land these punches. It was all quite, not just dull, but sort of... I hate to say it, complacent in lots of ways, because when we did the briefing afterwards with t- Tory aides about, you know, how much more NHS spending does this eight billion mean? Uh, wh- where's the money coming from exactly on the on the social care? How does it pan out? Um, other things that we didn't have any proper costings for. And guess what they said? They said, well, just wait for the budget. Or wait for the consultation. And it was assumed they will win. So there will be a budget. Yeah. There will be more white papers. So just don't worry about it. And that kind of assumption was really quite
1: yeah, striking. It's also what we should say to the listeners that Kate Forrester is with us now for the, the future part of this podcast. And um, Welcome, you, Kate. Hello, Kate. Hello. You are, uh, John McDonnell had, had a uh, press conference this morning um, reacting to the, budget, to the budget. You see, I'm doing it now. Not the budget. <laughs> the manifesto. I um, made this point, didn't he, about you know we did this fully costed manifesto. Mostly, the Tories haven't got any numbers. I mean, what was he saying and what what's his argument there?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's made the argument that you can't really just go around saying um, this is what we're going to do when we get into government, but we're not going to tell you how we're costing any of it, which you know is a fair enough a fair enough assumption to make. Um, he said that a lot of the stuff in the manifesto today, particularly around social care, um, Labour are calling for the Tories to scrap their plans to, to change winter fuel payments to make the means tested. He says that unless they come out with the costings behind their social care policies, which are, to be honest, bold, to say the least, um, then he says that they're not valid and yeah. they need to come out and, and do we, say. Do we
1: think it matters that you know they haven't? fully costed their manifesto that, as, as
3: McDonald says or do, do you think that they're so far ahead it doesn't matter th- that's the point which is the Tories are in a different political place from Labour they don't in many ways have to prove they're working out Labour has to prove it's working out because of the context we're in. And the context we're in is Labour's, for good or ill, got this reputation as being spendthrift and a financial crisis and they spent too much money and it's all on the Mm never-never and here's the Tories cleaning up their mess. So that's the context that makes it an unequal race in many senses and that's why the bar is you know Labour quite rightly is saying look we'd be crucified if we didn't have this working out like you were they're absolutely right but different rules do apply because of the way the public perceive both parties
0: and that's prevailed since 2010 really hasn't it it it's really it's not changed.
3: It's got worse, obviously, mm-hmm. in many ways, because you would have thought it'd lessen over time, that, that perception that Labour is it, it spends your money yeah. with, it doesn't care about it. But it seems to have got worse, particularly think, with
1: Brexit. And do you think, that, I mean, maybe the fact that sort of Labour now accepts that they're seen like that in the sense that they banging on at being fully costed, in a way it plays into that, doesn't it? Because it, you then set, that's the bar you set for yourself, rather than say, oh, we're not going to, we don't have to do this, we don't have to do this, we're not accepting your rules. Yeah. In a weird way, they've played into it, perhaps. By well, they the have. I mean, the curious
3: thing about John McDonnell as well, of course, is saying, look, we're going to make everything clear, our costings. Uh, but at the same time, he's then they've come up with this huge tax and spend agenda that we've mm. been talking about. And so it's almost as if they want to give the Tories the cake and allow them to eat it. In other words, we'll definitely be a tax and spend party, which you've always wanted us to be, because <laughs> yeah. you think the voters hate that, and we'll definitely give you all our workings to prove it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. and you can even then build in a sort of black hole on top of that. So, can we, th- I'd like to talk about in that clip we played of the Prime Minister, you know, she was
1: saying there's no such thing as mayism, denying that she's got any ideology. Now, I mean, Tory leaders will say that. I mean, David Cameron had a similar sort of approach, didn't he? He said you know, it was more about, it wasn't kind of a... It's not laissez-faire. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but do we think there is no ideology here? And if so, what is it?
0: well i mean she unveiled my manifesto didn't she yes. which kind of flies in the face of that really um so yeah i mean i think i think it would be mad to suggest that there isn't any kind of ideology really
3: well uh, it, but at the same time it it's not ideological in the Thatcher sense or the Corbyn hmm. sense. And that's, you know, yeah. I get the feeling all the time, we do these focus groups at post every week, and I'm damn sure that um, the Tories have road-tested a lot of their messages through their own focus groups. And what keeps coming back is that people don't really like ideology. They just want a little bit of help to get on with their lives. Mm-hmm. They don't want a grand, radical change. They think they've got real problems that need sorting out, but they don't... It's the British public sort of sense of evolution rather than revolution. And... And that's why it's quite powerful, her saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm a mainstream, non-ideological politician. Do we, do we believe that,
1: though? I mean, obviously, I think I totally agree with you, the idea that politicians or the public don't necessarily want to be told there's an ideology behind it. They want just kind of good management, perhaps, of, of good policies. But do we think we do we buy that from Theresa May, or is there something behind? Uh, is there kind of a wider picture behind what she's doing? Well,
3: obviously, on, on some things you could say it's certainly ideological what they're doing on welfare cuts, for example, which they've not reversed. You know, mm. the working poor who are supposed to be Theresa May's number one priority are getting hammered by uh, you know cuts to universal credit. You know, she she would have actually been much more effective and more credible on her whole, mm. whole message of this helping the squeeze middle if she'd done something radical by saying, actually, the other thing I'm going to junk are George Osborne's welfare cuts, yeah. um, which even Ian Duncan Smith thinks have gone too far. So, you know, that that would have been interesting. And you're right, so there is an ideology there, but her trick is in selling it as non ideological I thought
1: it was quite interesting that um, UKIP's reaction to it was to accuse the, the Tories of sort of going full labour, whereas I think about a week previously they said that the Tories had adopted... UKIP's position. Yeah, so yeah. I don't quite understand how they can say at well, one at uh, one side they're, um, you know, Theresa May has just nicked all their policies, and then a week later suddenly they're it's red, 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 uh, red.
3: Tory but everyone's and, floundering around as well. Don't forget. I think just as we've we said earlier in this podcast that Labour's been caught out by the snap election in a strange way. The one weird thing about being in that launch the Tory manifesto is you have got the sense that may herself has been caught out by the snap election this social care policy is so ill-formed and and loosely half-baked that you think you know that's the sort of thing you've just rushed through because it's general election it you know social care is so enormous you can't have a half-baked policy just for an election it's a massive thing and that's why i think they might come a cropper after the election when it might be unpicked or revised because what they put forward doesn't really stand on yeah. its feet Do you think of it
1: comes back to the leadership campaign at all the, the leadership campaign that kind of didn't happen I mean we've spoken before about how Theresa May's not brilliant speaking style perhaps is a, 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 a the cause of that would be she didn't have to do many kind of campaign stops to become leader so she didn't have much, much practice yeah. do you think there's any kind of policy implications there as well that she didn't have to sort of explore her
3: ideas in greater detail before suddenly she was in charge? Or I think, think there's, there's mm. some of that. Um, I mean, you know, that look, the, the ideology that May has, Mayism, is this what's called Erdington conservatism. It's named after Nick Timothy, who's a boy from Erdington in, in Birmingham, uh, and we all thought actually it was going to be launched in Erdington this week. And uh, Timothy is... Um, and he's, he's her chief of staff and head of policy. And his, his, he's got a working-class Tory uh, approach to life, which is, you know, help people get on. He's programmer schools, you know, um, aggressively anti the rich, uh, and, you know, junking a lot of that traditional Toryism. Um, so there is that kind of ideology going on, um, but she didn't... You're right, she wasn't allowed to form policies f- off the back of it um, last summer. Now... Of course, you know, and then you, you get into being prime minister and you don't have, it seems you don't have much time. But, you know, hey, the public, you know, they've got busy lives. You're, you're politicians. You have, you've got policy advisors who yeah. can work this stuff out for you. What's weird is that grammar schools was a bit of a flop as a launch. Um, mm. and, and, and I think social care has, has been a bit of a flop as a launch. It makes you think, actually, is she any good on domestic policy? <laughs> I mean, really?
0: Yeah, I mean, the social care stuff, the Resolution Foundation, Labour's press conference today was based on research that the Resolution Foundation have done, um, which basically unpicks huge amounts of it and sets out why many more pensioners than is actually being spelt out will be affected by this. Yeah. Um, which is a good read if anybody is particularly keen. Um, it's very detailed. Um, but I think, as Paul said, after the election, and as you said, Ned, we're going to begin to see some of that fall apart. And
3: there is this assumption that they're going to win, you see. so And I think that's, that that's part of the sort of complacency of it. You know, just as Theresa May, don't forget the one time she announced this U-turn, the big U-turn earlier this year before the general election was called. Big U-turn was on the budget's national insurance rise. And when did she call it? She called it on Prime Minister's Question Day because she knew Corbyn was unlikely to land a punch in return yeah. and he didn't and, and it's the same thing with this manifesto she kind of knows that Labour are not going to be as forensic as, as the Resolution Foundation for example um, and that she's got a, a relatively easy smooth ride. So I guess with, it's three weeks to go until the election and I guess I'll ask you
1: both starting with you Kate you know do we still think the Conservatives are going to win? Labour had an 8 point bump in the polls in the <laughs> Ipsos poll granted the Tories have a 15 point lead but do we still think it's, this is a, a done deal?
0: Uh, yeah I do. I, I really do. Um, I mean I think, you know, a lot of Labour policies are popular, um, and extremely popular among Labour's core support and, you know, some of them more widely. So I think it was expected that we would see a bump in the in the polls for Labour this week but I don't think it's going to have much of an outcome on the final.
3: But the big difference as well is what we're seeing is the the, the fall in Lib Dem support, I yes. mean, and, and also UKIP. The fact that the Greens, Kate's favourite party right now, because she's <laughs> reporting on them, um, uh, is, is ahead of UKIP in one poll. I mean, that says a lot about the way that Theresa May is steamrolling the, the entire landscape. So even the Lib Dems now, the so-called Remainer Party, uh, are in trouble, and... Um, it it just again speaks to my mind. I think that when we've done all these focus groups, the the more you see of people outside London, the more you see of people away from party political rallies, the more you see them talking in two reason major language, and that is so powerful and it's so consistent that w- we've all got it completely wrong if somehow Jeremy Corbyn wins, and that's why I think it. You know, it, Jeremy Corbyn's point this week. To wrap up finally, uh, it was he- why he was a different kind of leader, he said, I listen, I listen to the public. Unfortunately, the people he's listening to right now seem to be the only people turning up to his rallies. He's not listening to people who are not at those rallies. And if you were a genuine listener, you'd listen to this message and then you'd be quite worried.
1: Well, funny should say that. Speaking of genuine listeners, we've actually picked up another one. So we're up to two now. Um, this is uh, Stephen that Paul ran into up at the Tory launch and we'll leave you with him. Hi, I'm Stephen from Leeds, and I love the Commons
0: people. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands,